Are you willing to forfeit the approval of God to gain the approval of others? Some of us are not and cannot obey God because you are so consumed with the approval and the attention and the acceptance of other people. So we're going on a recovery project for approval addicts. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, senior pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. It seems like everywhere that we look, people are taking selfies. In fact, millennials have been dubbed the selfie generation. Well, we hope you'll join us as we spend the next eight weeks in a new series called Approval Addict. And as we start off into this new series, we'll be faced with the question on whether we're more consumed with the approval of others or the approval of God. So let's join Pastor Trent Griffith as we start off into this series titled Approval Addict. Here's Pastor Trent. Well, this morning we're starting a new series called Approval Addict, and I've got a question for you. How many of you know what those symbols on the screen are connected to right now? How many of you know where the thumbs up comes from? Where are all the people that have a Facebook account? That's great. That's great. Somebody told me after the last service, Facebook is like getting a seat at the lunch table with all the cool kids in the insane asylum. (laughs) All right. So if you feel good about yourself, you've not accomplished a whole lot there. But um, how many of you saw how many of you saw the video that I recorded this week and posted on Facebook inviting you to come to church this week because we were starting a new series? Anybody see that? Anybody see that? That got 48 likes. That's right. How many know where the star's connected to? What's the star connected to? How many of you are twits? I mean, you have, an, you, you have a Twitter account, all right? So if somebody favorites your tweet, you get a star. How many of you know where the, the heart comes from? What, what's that connected to? Instagram. Did you hear all the young people answer the question there? Because they think that Facebook is for the older generation, all right? So if you, if you uh, post something on Instagram, you get a heart if it's liked. And then does anybody know what the plus one comes from? That's Google's failed attempt at social media, okay? So there's all kinds of different ways for people to tell you they approve of the content that you posted. Get your Bible open to Proverbs chapter 29. I'm going to share with you a verse that has continually rocked my world. And I'm going to make a confession to you right at the beginning of this message. I am a recovering approval addict. Now, don't leave me up here. Am I the only one? We're turning Harvest Bible Chapel into a recovery treatment center, all right, for all of the approval addicts. And we're going to diagnose a little bit today whether or not you're an approval addict, and, and maybe you want to join the, the addiction recovery group that I'm leading. Let me tell you how twisted I am, okay? Many of you have been following uh, what's been happening in our family. Um, this is a very emotional month for us. Next week, I'm saying goodbye to my two oldest kids, sending them to college. And while all the emotions are wrapped around that, on the back end, we have been welcoming into our family a little nine-year-old boy named Scott. Scott was a homeless boy in our community, and we got to know him through our connection with Safe Families. And um, he's kind of been living with us on the weekends every now and then, and then it turned into weeks at a time, and then recently it's turned into months at a time. And we actually were able to um, um, uh, 
acquire from his mother a, a, a consent to allow us to become legal guardians of Scott. And so we've been waiting for this court hearing. And last Friday, we went before a court and custody was granted, legal guardianship was granted to our family for Scott. He's now a permanent member of our family. So we're so excited about Scott being a part of our family. We actually took a picture with the judge when that ruling was there. Now, let me tell you what happened 48 hours after this picture was taken. Okay, Um, last Sunday afternoon, we gathered as a staff with our families and with our children and with our elders. So we had like 100 people and we all went out uh, for a day at the beach. It's kind of an annual thing we do and just get our families together. We had a great time. And so the kids were all out playing in the water, just kids everywhere. And and, um, uh, while some of the adults were up getting ready for lunch and things like that. Andrew and I were kind of up in the lake house getting ready for the lunch, and, and um, the kids were down in the water. Uh, they were under adult supervision, if you consider Micah and Tyler uh, to provide uh, adult supervision. They were out there playing with the kids, and there was this big flotation mat that you could actually stand on in the water. So like 10 of these kids were kind of playing king of the mountain and everything, and then Tyler decided to play shark, and, and he went under the mat, and he tipped everybody over. Well, Scott was standing on the mat, And so Scott falls off and flies into the water. And as he did, he wasn't quite prepared. And he ended up swallowing a lot of water and he kind of disappeared for a while. And we realized he was kind of missing. And and Leah, our youngest daughter, actually fished him out of Lake Michigan and brought him up. And he was kind of choking and gagging. And we finally got all the water out and he was fine. Well, I heard the news of all that about five minutes after it happened. Let me tell you how twisted I am. I was concerned for Scott, I was glad he survived. But it wasn't long after that that I began to think about this picture. And I began to ask, wow, I wonder what the judge would have thought after he had granted custody to these parents that he thought would provide a little bit of protection that 48 hours had lost the son in Lake Michigan. And I'm like, man, that would be really bad. He would really think bad of me. You see, that's what an approval addict does. He's always asking the question, what would people think? If I did this, what would those people think? If I don't do that, what, what, what are these people going to think? And so you might want to join the treatment center this month if you're a person that's always asking the question, what would people think? Now, let me show you the biblical term for an approval addict. It's found here in Proverbs 29, verse 25. It says this. Look in the Bible. It says, the fear of man lays a snare. The fear of man, that's it. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Here's the first point of the message this morning. My approval drive can be approved. Now, A lot of times in the Bible, you have truths in tension. This is one of those truths in tension. So I want you to understand, having an approval drive, wanting approval, is not necessarily wrong. As a matter of fact, we're going to learn in this series, it's something that is God-given. The question is, where are you going for the approval? So my approval drive can actually be approved. There are certain people that God wants you to get approval from. The first thing I think about as a father of now five children is this. You should seek the approval of your parents. And so if you're a child living in a home, you should be asking, what should I be doing to get my parents' approval? 
Are my parents approving of the decisions and the choices that I'm making, of the way that I'm spending my time? All kinds of different things. And the reason for that is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 20 says this, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. So if you are a wise young person, you will often and repeatedly be wondering and thinking, what could I do today to make my father glad? Dad seems kind of down today. I wonder if I could do anything to make him glad. Maybe it would even prompt you to go to a father or a mother and say, is there anything in my actions or my attitude that I could change that would make you happier, that would gain your approval? How often does that conversation happen in the home? Not a whole lot, right? Most of the time, it's mom and dad going in, I don't approve, I disapprove, right? Well, a wise son actually would even take the initiative to be thinking, you know what? Um, my dad sure does seem happy when I'm cleaning my room. My dad sure does seem happy when I'm reading my Bible or doing some homework or mowing the grass or bringing in some money. I mean, a wise son makes a glad father. But if you're a person that says, I could care less about my parents' approval, do you know what you're doing? You're doing something very foolish. And all you're doing is exchanging the approval of a mom and a dad that God wants you to seek approval from, probably for the approval of some crowd who does not have your best interest in mind. That's why a wise son makes a glad father. You should seek the approval of your parents. Here's another thing. You should also seek the approval of governing authorities. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 3 says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Do what is good, and you will receive his what? His approval. God wants you to get the approval. You know what he's saying here? Christians should be the best citizens. Christians should be the best employees. Christians should be the best students. And by best, I don't mean that you get the highest GPA. It just simply means that your teachers are so delighted that you're in the class and that you do your best to be loyal, respectful, diligent, and to submit to the authority that God has put in your life. And so we're to seek the approval of those governing authorities. Here's another one. We're to seek the approval of our spouse if you're married. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, let me just kind of set this up before I read that verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is an interesting verse in the Bible. What Paul is doing, remember, Paul is a single man. It's interesting that a single man had so much to say about marriage. And maybe at one time he was married, but at this point he was single and he was actually letting single people know how great it is to be single. He was saying that as a single person, you have time and availability that married people don't have because married people have to constantly be thinking, is my wife happy? Is my husband happy? And that can be a little complicated. How many of you as men understand that's a little complicated, right, to figure that out? Well, notice he says this, the married man is anxious about worldly things. Now, that, that anxiety I don't think is a sinful anxiety. That's a healthy anxiety. 
The fact that I would think a little bit about how could I make my wife happy today? He says, the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. You should be thinking about how to please your wife, men. Ladies, that was a great place for an amen, and you missed it totally, all right? Would you like me to back that up a little bit and give you another run at that, okay? So men, we should constantly be thinking about what would please my wife? Did you hear that, guys? Did you hear that? Now, now he flips the coin around and says it completely the opposite. He says, the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. So ladies, you should be thinking about what can I do today to please my husband? Yeah, see, the guys were not going to miss that opportunity right there. They get so few of those opportunities, and they were going to take advantage of that. All right? So, so yeah, of course, we, we need to study our spouses. Like, what is it in my tone, in my attitude, in my performance, in my responsibilities that would make my wife happy? I know that my wife, my wife likes sweet tea, yellow colors, and sunshine. And so I'm $1,000 poorer this month than I was last month because we have freshly painted yellow walls in our home, all right? And that is because I am trying to please my wife. And so what is it that you could do to please your spouse? You should be seeking their approval. There's one other thing. We should seek the approval of a watching world. Now remember, these are truths intentions. So I'm going to come back to it in a minute, but notice what 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32 and 33 say. He says, give no offense to Jews. Who were Jews? Listen, these were people with a competing worldview or a competing faith system than what we believe about Jesus Christ being the one who exclusively atones for our sins. And so Paul recognizes not everybody's going to agree with us, but we should never give someone an opportunity to be offended by the way we present the gospel. If people are going to be offended, let them be offended by the gospel. Not the way we model the gospel, not the way we speak the gospel. Give no offense to Jews. And then he says to Greeks. Greeks were basically people that were pagans and really they had all kinds of weird ideas about God. He said, don't even offend those people. And then he gives a third category. Give no offense to the church of God. That means in these walls with people that share the same belief system, we ought to work really hard not to offend one another to seek one another's approval. And he says, I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage. Now, see, that's the key. Too often, we're trying to please everyone in everything for our advantage. Paul couples it with a very selfless attitude and says, I try to please everyone in everything, not for my own interest, not for my advantage. But then he says, here's the advantage but that of many, that they may be saved. What he's saying is this. Too often by our conduct, our speech, our lack of love, we are building a wall between the gospel and the people that need it rather than building a bridge between the gospel and the people that need it. 
And so in the way that we love, in the way that we speak, in the way that we serve, in the way that we speak truth, we should never do anything that would give someone an occasion to say, I disapprove of your conduct. I disapprove of your tone. Now, again, truth's intention here. If you are trying to please the world in order to gain a hearing, that you shave off the rough edges of the gospel and you reduce the minimum requirement of faith and repentance, now you're revealing that you actually are an approval addict that is disqualifying you from fulfilling the Great Commission. So that's what we're going to talk about. So we need to seek the approval. Your, your approval drive can be approved. And my approval drive also can be addictive. Now, here's what makes an approval addict. Let's see if anybody in here besides me is a recovering approval addict. I remember when this first started to hit home for me. I can remember way back to fourth grade. Anybody remember fourth grade? Was that not like the happiest time of your life, fourth grade? All right. I can remember a less than happy experience in the fourth grade. I remember our teacher stood in front of our class and she said, uh, it's time for the in-class reading assignment. So we all took out our, our literature books and we flopped them open on our desk. And she said, I just want you to read a short story here for the remainder of the class. So I opened my story. I began to read. I got about halfway down the first page in the story, and I noticed that the guy next to me turned his page. And then I noticed that the person on my left side turned their page. I tried to read a little faster, and then I realized that about that time, everybody else in the class had turned their page. And the signal was real clear. Trent, you're not as fast of a reader as your other classmates that must mean I'm not as smart and not as significant. And I began to experience the fact that I thought everybody was now looking at me, timing me on how fast I was going to finish the next page. And I thought, I can't let this happen. I can't let anybody think I'm dumb. I can't let anybody think I can't read. So you know what I did? Turn the page. Bam, started reading the top of the next page. Had no idea what was going on in the story at this point. I don't even know who these people are because all that content was never read on the first page. But I read two or three sentences, and about that time, everybody in the class started turning the page. I'm like, well, I guess it's time to turn the second page. <laughs> Boom. I'm like, man, I'm not going to, this is a speed reading class right here. Just, that's a nice picture there. You know, you don't have time to read the caption, but, you know, I'm, you have any more books? Coloring books would be nice at this point for me. And, and I realized that, man, what is in me that wants... I mean, I'm sure that not, not anyone is even thinking of me at that point. They're reading the story, but I felt like I needed their approval. I got a little older, and, you know, in your teenage years, everybody gets acne. Anybody here over the age of 30 that used to have a bad case of acne, lift your hand, all right? Just leave them in the air for a minute. You don't have it anymore, but it was really bad back in those days. I'm trying to give hope to these guys over here, okay, that, uh, that are... No, and by the way, if you had bad acne, nobody's looking at you right now. Nobody's thinking about you, all right? It's just all about us right now. So anyway, I, I was in that category, and I was like, man, I just don't even want to show my face at school. So I, nobody would approve of this face that's leaking and dripping all the time. And I know, I know. It just That's the way it is, though, isn't it? That's the way I felt. And then I had this other problem 
when I was 14, you know, all your baby teeth come in and, and your, you get your full set, right? Now, I learned that a full set of teeth, all the perfect people in the world, they get 32. Isn't, isn't that like what you're supposed to get? Well, I don't know. I only got like 28. And two of the ones that were missing are right here. And I'm like, man, this, this was a train wreck going on in my face. And so I'm like, I don't want anybody to see this. I'm sure they wouldn't approve. And so I just began to smile when laugh like this. <laughs> just lips closed. You know, I just, I don't want you to see what's going on here. So I was, and my family, even to this day, they tease me. They say, man, if you can get dad to laugh and actually see his teeth, you've really accomplished something, you know? And so if they ever do it, like, ah, oh, it's all your teeth, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I know what some of you are thinking, like, well, you have nice teeth. They're fake. They're made out of porcelain. All six of these right across the top, they're fake. The porcelain, the stuff your toilet's made out of, okay? <laughs> Gives a whole new different definition to the term potty mouth, all right? That's me. So I would just rather smile like this. Because I'm a recovering approval addict, all right? Now, am I the only one that has hang-ups like this? Well, let, let me just kind of diagnose you. Can you just step into the doctor's office here for a minute? Just eight diagnostic questions to see if anybody here is an addict. Here's the first one. Do you lay awake at night thinking of how to get a person to like you, to think well of you, to notice you, or to reward you? I mean, in the quiet moments, the stuff that fills your head is that man or that woman or that mother-in-law or that daughter-in-law or that potential boyfriend or potential girlfriend at school or, or that teacher or maybe even someone who has disapproved of you, that coach that thinks you are not fast enough or you are not strong enough and you're thinking, well, how can I impress them? How can I get them to approve of who I am. Does that stuff fill your head? You might be an approval addict. Here's another. Is your happiness or contentment dependent upon the approval of somebody else? You can't be happy if you are unnoticed and unrecognized. You're codependent upon someone else doing something to make you happy, namely giving you their approval. Do you feel valued or significant even when others don't recognize your incredible performance or your outstanding achievements? I mean, you got skills. You got looks. You got smarts. It's just that all the idiots in the people haven't noticed. And that bothers you and it bugs you and it makes you want to drive for more achievement and more accomplishment because you can't live without the approval of another. Here's another one. Do you experience pain or love hunger when the approval that was once given is now withdrawn or missing in your life? This person used to talk to me. This person used to to call me. They used to text me. They used to send me gifts. They used to come and hang out with me. They used to want to go places, and now they're not doing that anymore. And, and, and you're confused. You're, you're upset. You're, you're, that's a hurtful situation for you. That's what an addiction to approval will do. 
Do you feel inferiority, insecurity, depression, or even suicidal thoughts over the loss of someone's approval? You feel, you just feel unworthy, just, just feel like low, insignificant piece of humanity that no one would give you their time or their attention or their approval. Are you jealous when the approval that you once had, you no longer have, and it's now given to someone else? This happens a lot of times when you get older. You're not near as strong, not near as good looking as you once were or the people that are now coming up under you. And now people are starting to recognize and approve of people that are younger than you. It could be that that's revealing an addiction to approval in your life. Are your thoughts consumed with others? Do you give too much space in your head to another person? There was, there was a particular time I was really wrestling. It was actually in the early days of our church. and There was somebody that I just desperately longed for them to approve of who I was as a pastor, and I really wasn't getting a whole lot of it, and I just couldn't get this person off my mind. And I went to a person, I was just like, I'm struggling with this, what do I do? And I just went on and on and on and on and on about how I couldn't get approval from this person no matter how I tried. And I remember my friend looked at me and said, why are you allowing that person to live inside your head rent-free? It's like, that's a great way to put it. I can't evict this person. They've taken up occupancy in space that doesn't belong to them. I need to kick them out of my thoughts. Are you, um, here, here's the worst one. Here's the reason for the whole series. Are you willing to forfeit the approval of God to gain the approval of others? Now we're on it. That's the reason for this series. Some of us are not and cannot obey God because you are so consumed with the approval and the attention and the acceptance of other people. So we're going on a recovery project for approval addicts. And here's what we want to see. Back in the, the scripture here, Proverbs 29, 25, I want you to notice four words here in this passage. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So we're going to look at the word fear, snare, trust, and safe. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. By the way, do you like this message? Are you sure? Okay, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm in recovery. All right. Here, here's the thing. Approval addicts fear exposure or rejection. This approval addict has a fear that will turn him into an extreme extrovert. And so you know what he does? He ends up overworking. He ends up overspending. And he ends up over-talking. Do you know people like this? Don't think of names, think of you, okay? Well, I hope some of today's teaching has been helpful to you. Did any of Pastor Trent's diagnostic questions resonate with you? Are you hooked on the approval of others? I know I walked away with some very practical action points after hearing this message. 
Well, I hope you'll join us next week as we dive deeper into the subject of approval addiction with the conclusion of this message. I'd also like to invite you to join us at one of our weekend worship services at Harvest Granger, Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're located on Hickory Road, just north of Cleveland Road in Granger, Indiana. For more information, you can visit harvestgranger.org. Well, we hope you'll join us again next week at this same time for Resonate with Trent Griffith. And it's our prayer that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.